on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas. What is moral in dark tourism? Uh, it's one of the most uh, heated, you know, debates in dark tourism. And here, I think that the key word that we use in academia, like in sociology especially, is like the idea of spectacularization of the site. Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 126 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we dive into this episode of the podcast, I want to take a moment to thank my guest from the last episode, former Las Vegas showgirl and current Las Vegas entertainer, Danny Elizabeth. Danny was kind enough to jump on the show to talk about what might be simultaneously one of the best and one of the worst Vegas movies of all time, Showgirls. We talked about the first time Danny saw the film and how it almost led to a career change. We did a bit of character analysis on Nomi Malone and her friends, and we discussed how closely the film did or didn't mirror Danny's own experiences in the showgirl world. If you haven't had a chance to listen as of yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 125, Showgirls, Fact versus Fiction, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here we go. On to the show. Dark Tourism otherwise known as thanatourism, black tourism, or morbid tourism, is the term used to describe travel to places that are historically associated with death and tragedy. Dark tourism destinations exist all over the world, from Nazi concentration camps in Poland, to the site of the Chernobyl disaster in Ukraine, to Ground Zero in New York City. There are Jack the Ripper tours in London, Pablo Escobar tours in Colombia, and even a JFK assassination tour in Dallas, Texas. But what is it that brings people to these types of attractions? Why is it that dark tourism has seen such a boom in recent years? My guest for this episode of the podcast is here to answer those questions and more. Marta Soligo teaches Sociology of Leisure at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and is a visiting professor at the University of Bergamo in Italy, where she teaches Sociology of Tourism. She's also done extensive research into dark tourism, specifically as it relates to celebrity deaths and cemeteries. Marta and I talked about what got her interested in studying tourism and leisure from the sociology side, why people are attracted to the macabre, and she shares some examples of dark tourism destinations in Las Vegas. Please enjoy my conversation with Marta Soligo. I put tourism under the microscope. So I analyze tourism from every perspective, from celebrity culture, which I think we're going to talk about today, to sustainability, inequality in tourism, tourist behavior, yes, uh, you know, stakeholders, so hospitality, yes. 
So what was it then that brought you from your home country of Italy to the United States and specifically to Las Vegas? So at some point, I decided to want to do a PhD, right? And I thought, well, I would love to study more sociology of tourism. I love the U.S., so what better place than, you know, uh, Las Vegas to study, uh, you know, the sociology of tourism. And I was also interested in what then became the topic of my dissertation, which are Italian-themed attractions in Las Vegas. So the Venetian, the Bellagio, and the Caesars Palace, the Palazzo. So, and before, I was a visiting scholar at UCLA, um, and I studied uh, film-induced tourism, and so celebrity culture and tourism within the, within the context of, of Hollywood. So already I was familiar with the you know, U.S. Uh, case study. I think a lot of us just kind of take our leisure activities for granted, right? I mean, I do this podcast as a leisure activity. I do it because it's something that I enjoy. But other than that, I don't really know why I do it. So what was it that got you interested in the idea of studying leisure and tourism from a sociology side of things to sort of figure out why it is that we do the things we do when we're on our leisure time or on our tourism activities? Yeah, so I have a passion like for taking for granted things that you say that men understand the complexity of it. Uh, we always say, think, you know, tourism is just a fun activities. Okay. That's, that, that's great. So, but what about inequality in tourism? You know, what about social issues? What about, uh, you know, sustainability in tourism? What about that? There are always often, I would like to say conflicts between hosts and guests, right? So it's not taken for granted, right? That the that the um, local communities are fine with tourist behavior. Sometimes finding tourists, noisy tourists outside of our, of your house is really really annoying, right? So there are conflicts. So I love this idea that tourism leisure, oh, it's just a fun activity. No, is extremely complex. You mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the work that you had done studying celebrity culture. And um, that was what actually brought me to you to bring you on the podcast to have this conversation about so-called dark tourism. While I was doing a little bit of research into the world of dark tourism, something that came up was your work that you had done in not only celebrity culture, but celebrity death culture and the fascination that people have with not only the deaths of celebrities, but their life after death, so to speak. How did you get into studying that interesting trend? When I visited the Hollywood cemeteries for the first time when I was in Los Angeles uh, and I visited some like, you know, as a tourist myself, as a visitor myself, I wanted to see, you know, Marilyn Monroe, burial site, Michael Jackson and, and so on. And I look around and I say, wow, this is so fascinating. I was seeing tourists, you know, going there and the way they behave. So that that's really that's really what made me decide I want to conduct research there. So I spent so much time there. And, you know, it's so interesting to see one of the first thing that I really, really found interesting is the way people behave in front of their favorite stars, you know, gravestones. They almost behave like they are meeting them in person. And so the people that I interview for my research, some 
tourism experts in Los Angeles, some guides, you know, in Los Angeles, because they have cemetery tours in LA. So some guides told me, you know, it's like these people are meeting their, celeb- their favorite celebrities in person, especially young generation, people who never had a chance to meet Marilyn Monroe. They behave in the same way. For example, in that um, article that you that you mentioned, I explain how people take selfie with, you know, in front of the gravestone. They cry, they bring gifts, they bring flowers, they bring cards. You know, it's like they're meeting them really, really in person. In the research that you've done, have you found that there's a difference in the way people behave at, say, a celebrity grave site where they're almost acting like they're meeting their their favorite star versus some of the so-called disaster sites that are out there that people may visit as tourist sites. For example, um, my wife and I, a couple of years ago, we visited the 9-11 Memorial Museum in New York City. And we almost found it a little bit disturbing the way people were behaving around the reflecting pools and in the area around where this this mass disaster occurred in that, yes, there were people walking around that were upset by the situation, but then similarly to the celebrity grave sites, there were people walking around taking like the smiling selfies. So that's very interesting. I'm happy you brought it up because this is pure sociology, studying people behavior, right? Why do people behave like that? So you raise a key point here. So basically, Ethics, you know, what is moral in dark tourism, which one is one of the most uh, uh, it's one of the most uh, heated, you know, debates in dark tourism. And here I think that the key word that we use in academia, like in sociology, especially is like the idea of spectacularization of the site. So in today's society, as a sociologist of tourism, I can tell you everything becomes an attraction. Everything becomes a spectacle. So yes, even a cemetery, which is considered the most sacred place ever. I'm from Italy and I'm used to Catholic cemeteries that are very serious, right? Then I go to Los Angeles and I see that at the Hollywood Cemetery, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, they have movie nights. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, you know, so the behavior, yes, might change also because the attraction it's, it's itself change. One is the resting place of stars, and the other one is the place where the murder happened, mm-hmm. right? Or like murder happened because I'm thinking of like dark tourism, as you say, there are like tours to houses where famous murders happen, for example, right? Or a terroristic attack happened, right? Or Chernobyl was becoming before the war had an exponential growth as a tourism attraction. So they have different nature, but is really, but in the end, the question of moral and ethics is always there. The difference that I can tell you is that what I argue in my article, in cemeteries especially, there is also a component, not only of dark tourism, but also of celebrity culture. So you go to LA, like an Italian tourist like me goes to LA, visit the Walk of Fame, visits, visits the I don't know, the Hollywood sign takes a picture of it and then goes to a movie location and then goes to the cemetery. So there is this overlap with celebrity culture. Bringing it back to the the sociology side of things and and human behavior, it still kind of confuses me as to why people 
visit these types of locations? I mean, is it to to feel a, a connection? Is it morbid curiosity? Is it to to get some closure? I mean, I know for me, bringing it back again to visiting the 9-11 Memorial Museum in New York City, I vividly remember the day that happened. I was working in a newsroom at a radio station when all of that went down. I watched it happen live. So for me to visit that site, it was almost getting a, a, a little bit of closure for myself in, in that whole event. So, so I guess the big question is, why do people feel the need to visit these attractions? You know what the key word is, I think here, is authenticity. People travel to live authentic experiences, right? You were right in that place, the 9-11 place, right? Uh, location. You are, I remember myself when I walk, like right there where uh, JFK was killed in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I remember the sensation I had in that moment. I still have goosebumps, right? Uh, so you are, you are living that authentic experience, right? And this is the key word in tourism. Tourists usually travel for authenticity. People go to Italy to eat the real pasta and pizza. People go, you know, to Spain to see the real flamenco dance, right? Tourists travel, they want to have the authentic experience. And tourists are obsessed with authenticity. And being there, for example, in front of the bones, in my case of the cemeteries of Marilyn Monroe, is the most authentic experience you can get. Also, unfortunately, I cannot give you precise answers because, you know, society is really, really fluid and in constant change. But also there are some, there are some scholars who argue that we have a sort of fascination for death because the more we reflect on that, the more we get close to that. Kind of, it's like we are less afraid because it's really scary, right? To think we are going to die one day. So what about getting really close to it? Getting, go in that place where that murder happened, go to a cemetery and reflect on that, but say, okay, something I can almost manage, even if it's not true. After the break, Marta shares her thoughts on the role social media has played in dark tourism. And we talk spots in Vegas that fit the dark tourism bill. That's next on Jeff Does Vegas. There's several spots in Las Vegas, in and around Las Vegas, that that may fall into the category of dark tourism. Um, I've probably visited a bunch of them without even realizing that I've actually been at these spots. But what are some examples that you could provide of, of dark tourist sites uh, in and around Las Vegas? So first of all, I give you a suggestion. So if you didn't, uh, the Nevada Preservation Organization offers guided tours of the Woodlawn Cemetery, the oldest in Vegas. I took that tour, it was amazing, because it has like interesting burials for Las Vegas, for the history of Las Vegas. So for example, there is PJ Gumond that was an important Las Vegas investor at the beginning of the 20th. There is Stella Parson, who was the first African-American woman to graduate from the University of Nevada, Reno. And there is Chester Sims, that was one of the first casino managers of the Flamingo. So that was a very, very interesting tour. And you can really learn about the history of Las Vegas 
through you know through the um, through this tour and also talking about notable bur- burials we have the palm eastern on southeastern avenue there is tony curtis there is the robin leach of the lifestyle of the rich and famous uh siegfried the grave of Siegfried that is at the palm in downtown cemetery and of course the place where another dark tourism attraction which is famous i will say uh, because like um I mean, there is not really like a sign, but it's very famous, of course, is the place where Tupac Shakur was killed, uh, which is um, between the, the, the crossing, you know, East Flamingo and Koval Lane. So that's very interesting. And there are like, you know, graffiti on the, you know, on the poles in the street. So, yes, that's very important. I've been going to Vegas on a, a very regular basis for the last seven or eight years now, I guess. And I usually stay at Flamingo or Bally's and at least once a trip, I will grab breakfast at Ellis Island, which is right near that site. And for the first several years that I was traveling to Vegas, I had no idea that that was the spot where Tupac Shakur was shot and killed. I I really had no clue. So it, it was interesting to find that out afterwards that I'd been walking past this spot that so many people consider to be sacred ground, if you will. Exactly. So this is why I don't know if I will define it a tourist attraction, but it's really, really, I mean, if you know, it's, it's on Google. So if, if tourists are interested in looking for that place, it is there. And it's so it's interesting to see, to read all the, you know, what the fans wrote. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Do you consider the museums that cover dark topics to be so-called dark tourist sites? And when I think of this, I think of places like, for example, the National Atomic Testing Museum and specifically the Mob Museum. I mean, nothing really specifically happened at those sites. I guess the exception of the Mob Museum, the Kefauver hearings actually did occur in that building. But but other than that, I mean, nothing really dark and untoward happened at those spots, but they do cover very dark topics. So you open another door here because my second biggest research here was on the Mob Museum. So I wrote a lot about it. I I conducted an ethnography there, especially because as an Italian, when I arrived (laughs) in Vegas, I realized it was a museum about mafia. I was really surprised. So this is what I can tell you that I think uh, it's, uh, it's important. So the Mom Museum is a very important and interesting uh, attraction. Uh, what really is hard for me to understand still, but, you know, I'm trying to, is this idea of idealizing the mobsters. So the godfather, the, the Hollywood, like, Godfather, you know, all these uh, all these movies uh, really created a um, strong fascination for the mob in pop culture, in American pop culture. As an Italian, this is uh, interesting, also worrisome, because we I know what mafia can do, you know, killing innocent people uh, is really like it's a plague. And I always find found interesting uh, to analyze how and also to raise awareness uh, on how, uh, you know, mobsters are not cool. But there is this interesting connection between pop culture. And and so for sure, the Mob Museum is a dark tourism attraction for sure. Uh, Nothing happened dark in that place besides, as you mentioned, the trials. Okay, 
But besides that, nothing really happened. But, you know, they have the, the mob's greatest hits wall that they, it's called like that. They have the San Valentine massacre wall, the real one, you know, and people are obsessed with that wall. You know, when I was conducting research there, people were asking, are these the real bullets? Like, you know, bullet holes. Uh, yeah. So, wow, I have to take a selfie, you know, and I was like, wow, people got killed there. Mm-hmm. You know, people get so excited when it comes to be close to alcohol. Capone gun that is really, really fascinating. But it tells us a lot, right, about society. Well, the bad guys become the good guys because they are idealized by pop culture. Same deal with the National Atomic Testing Museum. Again, not really a spot where anything happened per se, but covers a very dark period in U.S. history. In some way, yes, absolutely. When I went to the Atomic Testing Museums, I, I felt like similar to the when I was at the Mob Museum. I found like very similar patterns. And uh, yes, let's let's not forget that the definition of dark tourism is extremely flexible, right? We are not here talking about hard sciences. So for sure, this connection with death, you know, if we see, let's take like an academic definition of dark tourism, which is fascination for death and the macabre. For sure, there is a part of that, right? For sure, yes. A couple of years ago, I had on the podcast as a guest, a representative from Las Vegas Ghost Tours, and we were talking about some of the the haunted spots in Las Vegas, um, particularly places like Bally's and the Luxor, spots like that. Um, Where does this fall on the spectrum of dark tourism? So I have another keyword here, which is thrillertainment. So this idea of being thrilled, but being entertained at the same time. And I always thought that ghost tours are, are like that, right? I, I teach another class on thrillertainment uh, in my sociology of leisure and my sociology of tourism courses. And uh, I always ask my, my students, right? Why do, do we like, why do people like to take tours, right? And go and meet to meet meet or not meet the ghosts or why do we go to escape rooms where there are people like they pay real actors to fake you know they are stabbing us they are running you know they are following us so why do we want that and i think that you know a key word again is thrillertainment this idea of being thrilled and you know roller coasters are a big example of that you are scared the whole time but you're having fun and what's the, what's the pattern here of ghost tours of everything? In the end, you know that everything will be all right. The ride is going to stop. The tour is going to stop and you're going to be safe. And death is something you left behind. And again, I guess, as you say, it all comes back to that fascination with death that we were talking about earlier, where you're able to get close to death without actually being dead. Um, and, and that's why people go to visit spots like... Um, Bally's where the the fire occurred back in the early 80s when it was the MGM Grand and and dozens of people were killed or uh, going to the Flamingo for the Bugsy Siegel and the mob connection. I mean, I've even seen people standing at the base of Mandalay Bay and looking up at the windows where the shooter was uh, on October 1st of 2017. And that incident, it, it again comes back to that whole thing of being able to stand in a spot where something terrible has happened. Exactly. So again, authenticity. I was there, right? The idea of I was there, and not. Let's not only forget that today we are going a step further. We don't all we don't only totally look for authentic experiences, but we have social media 
And we want to witness that, right? So I take a picture here because I want to share that I was there, right? We, you know, in the past, you were taking home the little souvenir from a place to show your friends that you went there. Now you have this immediate, immediate like sharing tools such as social media where you can say, oh, I was there. And this I was there idea, which is another key point in tourism, is fundamental here in what you are saying. I was there. I was in that place. If people want to take a deeper dive into the world of dark tourism, um, short of going to Las Vegas and registering for your course and and taking your classes, um, are there any resources that you recommend people check out? So absolutely. So first of all, uh, dark tourism is like, as I analyze it, is a very academic topic. So uh, like the plat- normal academic platforms such as Google Scholar, for example, if you just type dark tourism, but also uh, I'm noticing that like uh, like uh, major, uh, you know, like um, outlets such as like the New York Times uh, and also like BBC, they are like always posting news about that, about, you know, um, I find very interesting, um, a very interesting articles also on that. So just, let's just keep in mind that dark tourism is not only like an academic topic, but also it's becoming increasingly popular. So just if you do like a Google search and you find maybe the location that you like, I'm talking about tourism, especially, I don't know if you're interested in dark tourism and you're going to uh, Los Angeles, uh, dark tourism, Los Angeles, you find so many things, dark tours, dark tours is another keyword. Excellent stuff. Marta, thank you so much for taking time to jump on the podcast and uh, have a conversation about dark tourism. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to do so. Thank you again. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> If you want to learn more about dark tourism, check out some of the links I've included in the show notes, including a Google Scholar search on the subject that has a ton of great research papers and articles, and the website dark-tourism.com, where you can find information on dark tourism sites around the world. You'll find all of this at jeffdoesvegas.com. And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production. Walker New Media.